I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Pet Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Welcome back to another special episode on this Friday. Um, We are recording this March 22nd, so I'm sure a lot of things are going to change. A lot of pet sitters have been impacted globally, and another industry that is impacted has been travel, house sitting, especially internationally. So Kelly Hayesrate has been so gracious in coming on today in the midst of all of this to talk about how this has changed the industry and some of her thoughts and and what's going on globally, and hopefully giving us a a different perspective on how things are changing and just the pace that things are happening. So Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. And 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 we we all hope that you're, you're doing well and staying safe. Oh, Colin, thanks. It's a delight to be here. I'm self-isolating. I'm bored to tears. I'm so glad to have something constructive to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's very good to hear your voice. <laughs> so I'm in London right now, and I had been here uh, before the coronavirus outbreak started in China um, with house sits that I was planning on doing and house sits around the Adriatic Sea that I was planning on doing. So for the month of April, for example, I was going to be spending uh, time in Montenegro, taking care of a, a cat and a and a dog, while the homeowner, who is a teacher, was on break and and she would be traveling. Spring break is a really great time for house sitters because there are wonderful house sits that are available all over the world. It's a really good time for people, for newbies who want to try to find a way to break in because there's a lot of house sits available. Mm-hmm. when teachers are going on break. So I was very excited that I had set this up in uh, this house in Montenegro. In fact, I'd had it set up since December, I had it scheduled since then. Mm-hmm. So I was here in London and planning on flying from London to Montenegro and uh, coronavirus broke out. And when it hit Italy, the homeowner in Montenegro contacted me. Her travel plans had been to go to a family reunion in Milan, Italy. Mm. So that, of course, was canceled. So yeah. she was scrambling, trying to figure out what to do, what she would be doing next. And uh, she invited me to come. She said I could still come, but her place is small. She she only has a one bedroom flat with a dog and the cat. So she said, you know, I I I don't know if you'll be able to stay here the whole time. And for me, that was just a little too um, uncertain in terms of mm. where I would be staying. So I decided not to go on to the, there. And she's, she was fine with that. I mean, that was, that was a conclusion that we both came to. So I decided to stay in London. Now, the flip side of this is that homeowners in London who were planning on traveling in March and April, their house sitters are not able to arrive from other countries. Mm. So, my, so my being here in London meant that I had a distinct advantage in getting those house sitting assignments because I was here locally and there wouldn't be that problem. So I picked up two other house sitting assignments for the month of March. So the beginning of March, for the first two weeks in March, I was house sitting in North London for a couple that was going to Japan to run the, Jap- the Tokyo Marathon, which got canceled the week before their trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that put that house sit in jeopardy, but they decided to go ahead and take the trip anyway, because it was a trip of a lifetime that already paid for everything. And they went. So, but what I did was I made sure I didn't schedule back-to-back house sits. I gave myself a couple of days of cushion after that house sit in case they got stuck and couldn't make it back. 
I wanted to, you know, provide that opportunity to just, you know, help them out if they needed it. Sure. But they they went, they they had an okay time. They said everything was closed. It was like Japan was like a ghost town. Uh, but they they did get around and they came back on time. So then uh, it was going to be another two days before I started my next house sit, which was uh, also in northwest London. In the meantime, I spent two nights with um, my new British beau and his two children, blossoming relationship. John had been feeling kind of a little run down. So I spent two nights there figuring I could help with the kids and grocery shop and, you know, let him have his sleep and, and recuperate. I had a fever while he was getting over the fever, but we didn't believe he had coronavirus because he didn't have any of the other symptoms. So. The day I was to go to my next house sit, he got a text from the school that went out to all parents that said anyone experiencing a fever or a cough must self-isolate, which is the term that's being used here in the UK, must self-isolate for 14 days from the beginning of the symptoms. And that included everybody else in the household. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So now I was on lockdown for another six days with this man. You know, I know, but not super well, certainly not enough to live with. And his two kids who were um, quite angry at being stuck and not being able to go to school and not being given their electronics so they couldn't sit on their laptop and their phones all day long. So that was a really interesting um, interesting. <laughs> Wait, what's, the, what's the Chinese term? We live in interesting times. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So this was this was an interesting week, uh, to say the say the least. It was one of the most challenging weeks I've ever had. It ended yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you were able. So that 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 quarantine that quarantine period was was lifted, and and everybody's okay. Uh, and at this point, yeah. Every, oh, health wise, everybody's fine. I mean, we. Okay. You know, John had. John had something. We don't know what he had, but it wasn't coronavirus. But nevertheless, he stayed home and, and you know, it was helpful to have another adult there to help with the kids, single dad. And, uh, you know, I was glad I could help. And, and it was, but it was interesting because, you know, man, everybody had to do a lot of readjusting. Yeah, that's the, probably the, the biggest word for the month of March is, is readjusting. Uh, maybe just the first of 2020, maybe the whole year the, the, is readjusting to what is very likely, you know, a, a new normal. I don't, I hope not, but there's so much in the air and, and, and just hearing your story of this, this domino effect of cancellations and, and how you were thankfully able to find other opportunities in the area that you were and, you know, kind of almost make the, the best of the situation that you could. That's what, that's what we're, the same boat that everybody's in right now is just kind of making the best of the situation that we're in. I think so. I think that, I think readjustment. That's a that is a great watchword to keep in mind, and uh, and flexibility, of course, and yeah. just and watching out for each other. And there's been a lot of that. So where where I am physically this moment as we're doing this interview, um, the the couple that I was supposed to go into the house sit for a few days ago had we had been in touch, and they canceled their overseas plans because they they saw the writing on the wall and they weren't going to be able to do that. But they said we'll probably travel domestically, you know, somewhere within the UK come anyway. And they have a third floor loft, self-contained apartment. It's a single apartment. It's adorable. It's got a lot of light and it's just, it's a wonderful place to be. They said, come anyway, and you can live in our loft until things, until we figure things out. 
And if we travel, then you can take care of the dog. And if not, you know, you're welcome to stay in the loft. And that's where I am now. That's where I moved into yesterday. And I'm just so grateful that these total strangers who I just met off the internet from a house sitting site offered me this. Yeah. And I think, I think that just shows the, the, the best side, the, the most glorious side of house sitting in the way people really pull together as a community. And I'm just so lucky and, and excited to be here and they're a wonderful couple. We, we had dinner together last night and it was just a, a lovely conversation. So I'm, I feel extremely lucky, but I know that there are other house sitters in other parts of the world who are stranded and having, having trouble figuring out where to go and how to regroup. I, you know, I was interested to hear kind of, you know, you're, you're plugged into that community a lot more than I think the, the, the average person. So how are other house sitters dealing with this, coping with this and, um, you know, what's the kind of the light at the end of the tunnel that everyone keeps looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Other than for this to all just go away. <laughs> Maniacally starts laughing. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So how are other people coping with it? Um, I think they're kind of doing what, what I did, which is scramble to try to find some sort of accommodation when you know, they've, it, it, you know, everybody's situation is unique, right? I mean, some right. people, some house sitters had not left their home base to go travel. So they're at home. So when the house sit canceled, they stayed home. Uh, others already were in the country as I was, you know, I was already overseas. So, you know, it's a matter of scrambling then trying to find some sort of plan B. It's always a good idea as a house sitter to have a plan B anyway. But um, but this one's tough because we we really don't know how long it's going to last, and so yeah. I think that uncertainty and that creation of of living in limbo, if you will, adds to the anxiety and the um, and the and the unease around all of this. Right. So I I don't have any magic words for it, but I, mean, <laughs> I think some people are staying in Airbnbs or or yeah. vacation rentals or hotels. Others are are hunkering down with friends. Um, you know, people are just doing whatever they can so that they can continue to to have a place to live, have a place to sleep. Right. And and I know, and you touched on it of of just how wonderful it is amongst this this chaos, this global pandemic, how nice it is that people are reaching out, that they are helping each other. That's been so wonderful to see when so I know a lot of people are facing hopelessness and they're facing despair amongst changing plans and being stranded or being on lockdown. But just knowing that the community is there and the community is supporting each other and really doing their best to make sure that everybody's okay and taken care of. Yes. And there are a couple of house sitting Facebook groups and I've, I've you know, had a look at those before uh, we, we jumped on the phone today. And, it, you know, it's, it, it, there really is this sense of community and this sense of, of helping. So house sitters are posting where they are geographically and, uh, you know, what their needs are. And then homeowners are opening up extra bedrooms and or guest houses or in the case here, you know, the, the upstairs loft in order to, you know, to accommodate house sitters, even though they don't need, even though those homeowners don't need house sitting services at that moment. Right. So it's, it is really nice. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future. You asked, you asked for my, my 
my magic ball here, my crystal ball gazing. And I, I don't know. Personally, I feel that there has been, um, this is going to be so controversial. I feel that some of the government reactions to this outbreak has been overblown. And I think it's not been handled very well. I would have targeted support and testing and uh, medical support to the most vulnerable populations, uh, elderly people, people with underlying health conditions, rather than trying to make these these blanket policies. I mean, I want to just put this in perspective. This is a flu. Last flu season in the United States, 34,000 people died. That's that's common. I mean, people die people die from the flu. It's one of the things that happens. And if you have um, an underlying health condition that makes you more vulnerable to the flu, then you're going to have more complications due to the flu. And that's that's what's happening here. That's what we're seeing. The deaths that we're seeing are people who who are this is going to sound callous, and I don't mean to, but who would most likely die from the flu anyway? And I. And I know I hate saying those words because it does sound so callous, but it's, but I think we need to put this in perspective. And I, I, you know, if I were in charge, I'd be putting resources toward finding the vaccine, Yeah. you know, rather than making these large, large blanket statements. I'm very concerned about the hospitality and the travel industries and the long-term impact the economic pandemic is going to have on those two industries. I mean, you know, we're seeing struggling airlines already talking about going under. And we've got a lot of minimum wage workers work in the hospitality and travel industry, and there's no safety net for them. The Disneyland closes. What happens to all of those thousands of minimum wage employees and how do they make their rent this month? Yeah, and it's not just directly those workers, but all of the businesses that have built up around all of these travel locations that help support the travel industry. So as you mentioned, you know, not just the airlines, but the, the, the shops and the uh, restaurants and the, the clothing outlets and all of those things that go into support people being there while traveling, this ripple effect continuously moving through. And, you know, the, the flatten the curve idea of you can flatten the curve all much, as much as you want, but if you don't spend time raising the capacity of that line for medical capacity, you, you're you're not doing as much good as you think you're doing, and so excellent, excellent we, point. You know, <laughs> it ra- radically ramping up production of ICU beds and ventilators and targeting the most um, vulnerable people. And the perspective that you gave of how many thousands of people die every year from the flu it's it's one thing to say you know that's that's the familiar. That's what we've. That's what we, have as a society and as a globe, have adjusted to. We, we, that is baked into our psyche and how we relate to the world around us, whether we realize it or not. The onset of something new, it's new and scary, and we don't have any defenses against it. And that really puts us up, puts us up, puts us on the back foot. And we, as humans, don't like being caught off guard. And and that's where I think that this is really starting to where that panic comes from, because it is unknown. We don't have a treatment. We don't have any protection against it. What do we do? You know, how do we as, as a species, as, as a society handle that? And you're kind of, you're really seeing 
people grapple with that. Of it, it really is the unknown, and that's where all that fear comes from. That's why there are no toilet paper on the shelves anywhere across the globe, apparently, because we we need to. We're trying to latch onto things that we can control to help make ourselves feel better. Yes, I I, I agree with that. And you know, but the, but the other thing that I want to mention is that we do need to remember that this coronavirus flu. First of all, coronavirus has been around since the '60s. I mean, it's a flu that has been, it's, it's a strain that's been around for a long time. So it's, it's not something that's this, you know, new and scary thing, although it feels that way because nobody's ever talked about it before. So, you know, it's new and scary to our experience, right? Right. Um, and it also is one of the less, less deadly flus. And when we look at, at the more recent pandemics, uh, SARS in 2006, I think it was, and MERS that was in 2012, uh, 2012, MERS was the Middle East Respiratory System, SARS, I forgot what that even stood for, but SARS death rate was something like, you know, 12 or 11 percent, 11 or 12 percent. MERS was like 34 percent. Right. And coronavirus is at 4 percent. And I'm and I'm guessing that that 4% fatality rate figure is probably high because I think there's a lot more people that have coronavirus that aren't uh, that are just, it's just a flu and they're getting over the flu. And so they're not getting tested and they're not part of the statistics. So it's, so it's creating, you know, I'm, you know, yes, we have this health scare. Um, and it's also like, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to say it's almost, it's almost over. I mean, it's over in China. They're closing down the special hospitals they built. The, uh, the, the rate is, is flattened out, uh, in Japan, it's almost over. Uh, you know, so I, I think it's, you know, it is something, it's a flu. And so, you know, as people get it and they recover from it, they have the antibodies, they have the resistance to it. Um, there's new scientific breakthroughs happening uh, as we speak. I mean, it's just incredible. You know, they've, they've isolated the genes. They've, they've think they may have a vaccine and it's being tested now. Um, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of positive news coming out that, mm-hmm. That just can't filter through the onslaught of negative news. I I googled coronavirus the other day. There were five billion coronavirus stories on the internet. What? Oh my! Oh my! Billion. I mean, it's like you know, and 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 no wonder we're we're all upset and and concerned about this because it's really hard to get away from the fearful headlines. Right. Now, now on, on that, you know, I, I, I listen to you and, and I love the attitude that you're approaching with this kind of this, this cautious optimism or even just pure optimism at this point. And I love that because, because as you mentioned, like when the whole globe has basically bending its will to one singular focus, things are going to happen a lot faster breakthroughs are going to happen a lot faster. Help is going to come a lot faster when this is the singular, we've taken the eyes off of everything else we were worried about as a globe and focused it on this one singular topic. That's good. When humanity's working together, good things happen. That's because, very true. That's very yeah. true. And, you know, and I think we'll see, I think we'll see more people uh, doing, you know, virtual remote work and virtual meetings and things like that. I mean, we've already, that, that, trend has, has been around for quite a while now. It's not a new trend, but I'm seeing older people doing it now, people who are kind of um, uh, 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 technology adverse. 
mm-hmm. you know, they're now figuring out how to do group Zoom meetings on their cell phones. Yeah. Uh, and and doing more virtual kinds of things. And I think there, there's an upside and a downside to that. I mean, the downside, of course, is that, you know, you don't have the human interaction as much, but I think we'll get that back. But the upside of that is that it's really uh, an opportunity then to stay more connected with people and to be more interconnected with people who are uh, in other parts of the world and in other cultures. And I think that's always a positive thing when we have an opportunity to expand those kinds of connections. Yeah, the the term that's being thrown around of of social distancing, I I I really that that term has started lately kind of gnawing at my brain because what it really is is it's physical distancing. Now more than ever we need socialization and we're finding as you mentioned those tools to allow us to do that. We're we're finding, oh wow, there are a lot of ways that I can still interact, connect and talk and share ideas and collaborate with people around me without having them to sit right beside me. So the physical distancing, like right now we, we should be socially close now more than ever, whenever we need it, uh, but being physically apart. And, and yeah. it just speaks to exactly what you're saying. That's a great point, Colleen. You should do that as like an op-ed article or an article to put up on medium.com or something. Cause that's a really important point. Th- thank you. I just, I know so many people who are feeling absolutely alone where they used to interact with a bunch of people or they were interacting with dogs or they were going out and traveling and seeing all these sites and things. And now they're being forced to sit in a room all by themselves. But yes, that last, yeah. that, but that, but that last part's not true because you're not really alone. There's so many opportunities and options to connect with people. It's new and different, and it's not the way we used to. But it still allows for you to, you know, talk with people and, and share your concerns. You know, um, and 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 you and I have talked about that before of using technology to continue to connect and socialize. That is a way of socializing. It's just different for a lot of people right now and and it can be uneasy. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, I think the challenge is going to be for people who are forced to live together who weren't intending to live together. Uh, You know, school-aged children, home full-time, it's not weekends, it's not a vacation, it's, you know, you got to do school stuff. And all of a sudden parents are forced to be in a position where they're homeschooling, which means they can't get their own work done. I didn't get anything done last week when I was with my boyfriend and his kids because I was, I was, we split the kids up. I took the younger son and I was with him all day long, one-on-one doing activities and learning things with him. Mm. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it was great because we bonded a lot. And so on, on one hand, it was really an extraordinary experience for me, a single woman who's been single all her life, never lived with anybody to suddenly be thrown in with a sick man and his kids. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was an adjustment for everyone, but, but there, you know, there were some positive things that came out of it. I mean, I'm certainly Mm -hmm. closer with that family now than I was. And so, you know, it's, and the kids had a different experience too. I mean, they had to deal with their anger at their dad for getting sick and they had to deal with their disappointment of not being with their friends and not being able to go to dance class and music class and all these other things. And, and that's a tough thing for kids. Very tough. Yeah. Trying to explain to them what's going on. And, and it's a very confusing time for adults, let alone, let alone kids that are in the house. But you know, what you're, that idea of, oh, I can't go out. So I'm in 
and and I'm with somebody, let's say, you know, for that that example of I'm, I have my family with me, you know, thankfully you have family or friends around you. Let's start investing in each other then. And, and let's start, you know, really, we all used to talk about how busy we were and we couldn't spend time with anybody. Well, guess what? <laughs> now we have all the time <laughs> to, to, to interact with people in our own house and, and to talk with them about their fears and come together. You know, we mentioned a community coming together. Well, if you have people in your house, what a better way to get through this than by investing in each other that are there, taking care of each other's needs, and maybe learning something about yourself and others along the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So I, I hope uh, I'll, I'll put my crystal ball back into 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 work here. Um, I hope that what happens in the future is that we go back to traveling. We recognize how really small this world is, if a virus can travel that quickly, we can travel too. And we can still meet people and still experience new things and still help each other out. And I think, you know, that the house sitting homeowner relationship, I think has just become much more important. And, and we recognize how critical that, that codependency in in all the right ways is. Yeah. And that's, that moves into a, a topic that I was interested in hearing your take on is right now we're in the thick of it and and we're hopefully seeing a light where there may be more of a better normal, maybe back to a, a previous normalcy. But long term and moving forward, I'm curious how you, how, you know, you mentioned that we will continue to travel. In, in what other ways do you think travel pet sitting and travel house sitting as an industry is going to change because of this? Well, I think for a little while, we'll probably see people spending more time traveling domestically mm. that instead of of taking the chance on you know there's there's both the health aspect and the economic aspect so so right now, you know countries are on lockdown, so you can't get in, but once that lockdown is raised, there's going to be a lot of struggling uh you know, restaurants and hotels and vacation rentals and and people that we want to support. Mm. But many travelers may say, I, you know, I just don't want to chance that right now. And we don't know what's going to happen with the airlines. So, you know, do I want to jump on uh, a, a budget airline and fly somewhere, not knowing if I'm going to be able to return? So I think what we'll see is more internal kind of traveling where people get a chance to explore their own countries a little bit because it just reduces some of the unknown factors of what could happen. Um, so we might see that happen initially. if. Prices really drop uh, in order to try to attract people to come back to some of the major tourist areas. You know, we might just see a, a lot of travel happening, you know, this at the end of the summer or the beginning of the fall once this thing all blows over. And I'm, again, I hope I'm not being too optimistic there, thinking that it's going to blow over that quickly. But, but I do. I, I think we're going to have, I, I, I love science and I think we're going to have an answer to this real quickly. Yeah. One of the things I've been trying to wrap my head around is is how this changes um our social interactions as we travel. Uh you know, right now the entire globe is telling you groups bad, isolation good. And and is that something that you think will will stick as a society as traveling house sitters of of this this weird caution of of avoiding groups, or do you think there'll be a pretty quick rebound from that that kind of mentality? I think that uh, that people are the way they are, 
and that that's that this is not going to change that. So uh, introverted people who kind of self-isolate anyway, because it's just the way they are, will probably continue to be more loner types. And people like me who are outgoing people and love to chat anyone up, you know, that's, that's not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that, again, there's that, there's that, while this is, this is bad, this is, this is un- unprecedented in our modern times. The, the idea of, of it, it actually breaking society, you know, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I think we're still going to emerge from this stronger and more united and, and not inherently different or more divisive or any of those things moving forward. I agree. I mean, I think this is this is uh, an opportunity. You know, we we can do we can do a hundred different things with what we've been given here. We can go write King Lear the way Shakespeare did when he was under quarantine for the Black Plague. Uh, we could become closer to our families. We could sit around and become new zombies and lament what's happening in the world. I mean, we've got a lot of choices on how we respond to this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think you know people like you and me who are in the service business. Uh, house sitters who are in the relationship building business. That's that's really basically what we do is we build relationships with homeowners and with pets. I think we're going to continue to do that no matter what happens. It, 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 how we do it may change slightly. It's certainly changing now, you know, but it may change a little bit going forward. But but we're going to essentially be the same people. And I think we're, we, you know, you and I, we're not going to stop building relationships with people because that's what right. we do, you know, where that gets us, that makes us excited. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. And and so thinking of that, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of lessons you have taken from this entire thing, you know, that story, you know, how you told of, of you're backup having a backup plan and watching things change at a rapid pace around you. What have you taken from that personally and in and right now? Oh, that's a good question. You know, things are moving so fast, to be honest, I haven't really had a chance to stand back and reflect. That's a really good question, Colin. I think um, well, certainly having a plan B, but I, you know, I generally have my my plan B is a credit card, right? So <laughs> if I'm if I'm and I've I've had house sits uh, evaporate on me twice in the past, three times in the past, and uh, you know I I just went and stayed at a hotel. I mean that that was what I sort of did for my plan B while I regrouped and tried to figure out what the next part was going to be. Uh, this time it's not so simple because I don't know how long this is going to last. So do I really want to check into a hotel and be stuck in a hotel for six weeks or two months or something? I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. So this was a different kind of a plan B that just caught me uh, by surprise. So um, let's see, a takeaway from that. I, I, I am a social person and I like to keep up my social networks, both online and in person. So one of the first things I did was, was just start, uh, you know, communicating with my friends here in London to see what different options were available to me if I did get stuck. So, so I guess one of the takeaways is to really, you know, keep up with your friends in the place where you're moving to, or where you're going to be house sitting if you have them so that you've got some sort of support network if something happens. So that would be the mm-hmm. first thing. Second thing is, you know, make sure you've got that credit card because that's why God made them. These kinds of situations. Um, yeah. And the third thing I would say is just, and I, 
keep the communication flowing. So I am in constant contact right now with the homeowners of the house sits that I've already committed to for April because I did mm. get some new house sits. And um, while the homeowners' plans are all shifting, they haven't necessarily canceled their plans at this point. So it's you know, it's one of those sort of, they would be okay if I canceled, they understand what the reality of this is. But I also am in a position where I can do those house sits locally here in London, if they if they move forward with it. So the communication and keeping the communication open, I think is really important being totally honest and upfront with what you can do what you're able to do, what's happening with you health wise, um, for both sides. So for example, when I was on lockdown with my boyfriend and his kids, and I was supposed to come to this house sit, you know, I was really upfront with the people. And I said, here's what's happening. John is a fever. I don't, you know, we are on lockdown for the next six days. We have six days remaining in this lockdown. And, you know, what would you like me to do? And the couple thought about it and they said, we want to wait until you're done with the lockdown and then you can come here. But, you know, we're all social distancing. And mm-hmm. so we will, we will keep our distance from you. And I said, that's fine. So um, I think honoring everybody's responses to this uh, is important and to try not to be judgmental about how they're responding to it, uh, which can be tough because, you know, it, people get stranded and I'm just so grateful that this couple here, even though, you know, they're nervous about coronavirus and concerned about it, you know, they're still allowing me to be here and, and we're just respecting each other's boundaries. I'm respecting their wishes on that. Above all else, it comes comes back to communication and communicating with people okay. that you are going to, as you said, with, with homeowners, with friends, with contacts, so that, so that you, you, you know can so you can receive help so that you can help so that you keep people in the loop of how you're doing and you stay connected through this time where we're being told to not physically connect and i just i i love that it comes it all comes back down to communication and and talking with people and checking in and and, and all that's wrapped up into that exactly i think that's really important now i'll tell you what would be a real pandemic for me is if the global internet went down <laughs> You know, I know that would, that would strike fear in my heart. I know, I know several countries were reaching out to all the streaming industries, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Disney, and, and what others internationally of asking them to, to decrease the um, resolution of movies to take them from 4k or 1080 and move them, drop them down so that the, there would be enough bandwidth for all of these people. So yeah, that was. <laughs> oh, interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because every, you have millions. I just saw a stat as of yesterday, uh, upwards of 1 billion people are now being told to stay in their homes globally and they are all on the internet. And that is quite a strain on that. Uh, so yeah, if, if that goes down, that'll be, that'll be another story But <laughs> for now. So, the, yeah, right. so the, they'll either be on the internet or it will be someplace else. And there was a little thing going around Facebook, a little meme that nine months from now, the new glut of babies that will be born will be, will be called Coronas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, yep. The coronial generation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, well, Kelly, um, I thank you for coming on and, and sharing 
your perspective on this and 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 helping others understand the situation that others are in and giving us hope and as always encouraging us to to communicate and stay connected and um, invest in those relationships uh, if people want to you know follow along and and send updates and encouragement or just ask questions about how to do what you're doing, how can they best do that? Oh, thank you. Um, my website is housesitdiva.com, www.housesitdiva.com. And just send me a message through there. I would love to communicate with you. I'm, I'm looking for ways to reach out to more people. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we wish you all the best in, in health and safety and uh, we'll definitely be, be staying in touch moving forward and uh, you know, see, see how this comes out in uh, shortly, hopefully. Great. Thanks Colin so much. It was so good to talk to you again. Yes. Likewise. Since recording this interview with Kelly, Britain has gone on a further level of lockdown where there are no more groups of two to be seen in public and several other things. India has also, as a country, gone on lockdown, locking away over 1.2 billion people in their homes, and hotspots of coronavirus and COVID-19 are breaking out in multiple cities across the globe, especially in the United States, as senators and Congress struggle to find ways to stop the bleeding. The one takeaway from Kelly is that there is hope out there, that there are people working, that there is work being done as a society, as the globe, to focus all of our energy, all of our technology and science to do something about this. That should give us all hope. And as we all work together to encourage one another and help each other along the way, there will be a light at the end of this tunnel. But how are you doing? If you would like to share your story and tell everybody about how you are coping with this and ways that you are dealing with being under self-isolation, quarantine, or shelter in place, or whatever term you want to use, email us at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. Join our Facebook group, Sitter Confessionals, and share your story there as well. We'll all talk to you again soon.